Hey friends, this is Natalie Irvin and welcome to the ICU podcast where we explore how we can find significance in the unseen work of leaders and learn to truly be intentional to see others in our everyday lives. I can't wait to share with you, so let's get started. Today's scripture is Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hey friends, and welcome back to the ICU podcast. Um, Today I'm with Jenna who is uh, someone that I've met through church and have become friends with. And I'm so excited for you to hear her story today. Jenna is a graduate of Liberty University where she met her husband, Daniel, who she's been married to for seven and a half years. She's worked in IT and higher education for 13 years and is currently an IT business analyst. A few years ago, Jenna and her husband followed a calling that God placed on their hearts for foster care, and they've been licensed foster parents for two and a half years. So Jenna is going to be sharing her story with us today. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk about just, uh, you know, what you guys felt like the Lord was calling you to, and then how you've carried that out. I know it's been a roller coaster, um, but you have constantly been somebody that I've seen uh, you know, very intent with everything that you do. And I just see so much compassion in you for children and for pointing children towards Jesus. And I just love that so much about you. So let's back up just a little bit and tell me um, a little bit about your story of how you got here specifically. Yeah, so I'm actually originally from Long Island, New York. Um, so being here in South Georgia is very um, different from how I was raised, but culture shock. Yes. Big culture shock. Um, but, um, as you said, me and my husband, we both went to Liberty. Um, we met at Liberty, um, and we actually met right after we graduated from our undergraduate degree and we were both working on our master's degree and working. Um, he was a graduate assistant at the time. Um, and then when he graduated from his program, he got a job here in South Georgia. So, um, we were dating throughout that, and then once we got married in 2016 is when I made the uh, jump to Statesboro, um, <laughs> and we've been here ever since. It's a very small community, and we just feel like it's it's home for us now. Um, yeah. We can't think of any other place that we would want to be. Um, the community here has been great, um, and so that's how we have been in Statesboro. Yeah, it is, and it kind of when you move here, you're like, why did I move here? Um, Mm -hmm. It is a shock at first. And then you realize the perks of being in a small town and the support that you get from people in the community. And our church, you know, we go to church together. And so our church is a huge part of that, you know, just that support system. So what, you guys are foster parents. Um, But tell us about the decision, because I know I've been through the, you know, initial meeting Mm -hmm. and it scared me to death. Um, So (laughs) I know that it can be very intimidating. It can be a a long process of trying to pray through whether or not that's right for you. Um, So tell us about that process and how you decided to foster. Yeah. So it's actually, it's, it's honestly like, there's no other way to say it, but just being a God thing. Because Mm -hmm. about 10 years ago, when I still was working at Liberty, I had a friend 
who decided to do foster care. And it's one of those moments, you know, like when you have it so vivid in your mind because you Mm -hmm. remember it. And I remember where we were. I remember sitting there and I remember turning around to her when she told me that she was doing it. I was like, I will never do that. Um, I was like, you're going to get attached to these kids Mm -hmm. and then they're going to leave you and you're going to be very sad. And I would never do that. And she said to me, she's like, that's the point. The point is to get attached to these children. And I was like, yep, never doing that. And I counted it off. Um, actually, yeah. my dad was adopted through foster care. Wow. Um, and I think that we, Dan and I always thought that adoption would be something we would we would do, but I never would have thought that we would have done foster care. Um, but a local agency came to our church actually during the COVID year. Um, and when they came in, they were just talking about how Um, A lot of children were not being seen because of COVID restrictions where they were not in school or they were not going to their normal doctor's appointments. And they were predicting that once things started opening up, there was going to be a significant increase in children coming into care. And we heard that and we're like, that was that little nudge. And we're like, "Uh." and we waited and we waited. um, And then we're like, about six months after that, we, the nudge wouldn't go away, you know, and it's just still poking at you. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were like, all right, let's just do the intro session. Like the intro session, Mm -hmm. like you don't have to, you're not officially signing up for anything. You don't have to commit. No commitment. So we went (laughs) to the intro session in, um, I believe it was the end of December timeframe. And we were still like, uh, and then we're like, all right, like, let's just continue taking steps. And if the Lord closes the door, then this isn't for us. Mm -hmm. And we started our training in January and then Little by little, we just kept step by step, just following and trusting that if this was going to be God's plan, then we were just going to continue walking in faith. And in May um, is when we had our first um, sibling group placed with us. So um, it was Mother's Day weekend, and my we got licensed on a Monday. And I told my mom, I was like, oh, we have beach plans for the weekend, because we did not have kids before this. So uh, we don't have any biological children. So you know, for us, it was just us. So we had a whole beach trip planned for the weekend. And my mom's like, well, what if you get a placement? Like, you're not going to be able to go. I'm like, I just got approved today. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get a placement by this weekend. Right. And we got the call um, the next day at 10 a.m. And wow. our lives drastically changed. Um, but there were so many reasons, even in that first call, that we could have said no. There were so many things that we could have been like, no, this isn't the right time. Like, let's just continue waiting it out. But um, we said yes, and it was the best yes that we've ever said. Um, it's been a journey. It's been hard. Um, like you said, a roller coaster is literally, and I know that's parenting in general sometimes yeah. feels like a roller coaster, but in foster care, there's so much things you just don't have any control over. Right. Um, and I am a very controlling, I like to know exactly what I'm doing and I mm-hmm. like to have my future set. And this is just God's way of telling us you don't have control. I'm in control. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've really just had to lean into that. And um, those children were with us for nine months. Um, and um, they went home to be with their mom. And then now we have uh, two other siblings that joined our family. And they've been with us now for um, almost 17 months. So wow. it's, been, it's been a while. Um, yeah. But yeah. It's so incredible. And I, man, it's just amazing how God brings those children to a place of security and safety, like at just the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, And for you to say that that was the best yes you ever gave, I mean, it just gives me chills because these children are coming from 
situations where they've experienced trauma, they've experienced things that no child should ever have to experience. Mm-hmm. And there's someone willing to say yes. And I just, I love that because it is a hard decision. You know, you're going from living this life where before kids, mm-hmm. there's freedom mm-hmm. to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And I remember our lives before kids, you know, and and it's like two different worlds. Um, so when you got the call and the children came to your home, mm-hmm. how was the initial going from having no children to now having two children mm-hmm. in your house at all times? Um, yeah. So I always say I, I'm very honest um, and I'm sometimes honest to a fault, but um, the first couple of days, um, actually, they were very, very difficult. Um, so when the children first came, our first two, um, and it's going to sound so silly, right? But we have a thing that we used to do with our friends every Thursday night. We used mm-hmm. to go play trivia every Thursday. Mm-hmm. And that was just our thing. You know, we didn't have kids. We didn't have to worry about babysitters like that. Right. what we would do every Thursday. And um, when the children arrived, the next day was a Thursday. And when we were getting those texts from our friends about, mm-hmm. like, you know, how they were doing, I was a mess. I was like, what did we do? We mm-hmm. wh- What did we do? We yeah. Like, there goes all of our life. Like, our life is just out the door. Everything that we had normal to us before is just completely different. And mm-hmm. the first couple of weeks were really, really challenging, um, yeah. especially for for us. And now we, we say we're seasoned foster parents because we've been in it now a little mm-hmm. bit of time, but um, the children were not in any sort of care when they first came in. So we were home with them and both my husband and I both work full time. So trying to figure out what to do yeah. with um, children in the home when we also need to be at work. Um, we don't have any family that live here. Our family don't live in the state. So actually my mother-in-law came and the next week to, mm-hmm. to help us out so that we can try to get back to work yeah. um, for that time until they got into care. So it was, it was, you know, I think of it like, you know, if we had a newborn baby, you know, your mm-hmm. life just completely is different. You know, before you were sleeping 12 hours a night, now you're lucky if you can get a couple. And that was mm-hmm. the same with us. Like we were always up, you know, making sure that they were okay. And, um, mm-hmm. I think, though, we're really when we are able to get in routine and mm-hmm. when we're able to get scheduled, that's where we really see the difference. Um, but we learned a lot of lessons with our first placement that in our second placement, we we mm-hmm. knew better what to do. We were like, okay, we're going to get them in care as quickly as possible and, and all these different things that made the transition mm-hmm. a lot easier. Um, but again, if I'm being honest, when the second two came – it was still hard, um, yeah. and it was hard in a different way because mm-hmm. we knew that we could do it. We knew that we were able to parent. We knew that we were able to to love these kids and help them feel mm-hmm. safe, but they weren't our first two kids, yeah. and there was a lot of grief that went into the first two leaving, and that's what the goal of foster care is, and that is our goal. Our goal in foster care is for reunification and for right. children to be reunited with their families because that's truly what we believe God's design for family is is that family can be together if at all possible. Um, But, you know, a lot of that stuff, and I'll just say like Candyland, right? We had the Candyland game and we put that away and we didn't need to see it for three months, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was gone and we didn't need to be playing Candyland. But then when these new two came and we're breaking out the Candyland board Mm -hmm. and it brought back all sorts of emotions for me. And I was like, it was a it was a really, really hard time in the beginning. And it was just different than the first yeah. time. Um, but what we do say, um, 
And it's like this weird thing because you obviously you pray that kids never have to enter care. You pray that that's never the situation for them. But unfortunately, in our broken world, that's just reality is that Mm -hmm. children will enter care. And when our first two were with us, I was praying for the next kids. And I remember praying for them and saying, you know, God, whoever you have that's going to be placed in our home, we're praying for them and their family right now. Mm -hmm. And we're praying that you just begin working in us. And I know that those first two had to leave in order for the two that are in our home to be in our home now and for them to be able to see Jesus and not only them, their families. We have a really great relationship with their families. And um, when you talk about the gospel and you talk about what God has placed all of us on this earth to do is to to share his love with people. Mm-hmm. And I remember John, he was talking about, and he preached one one day and he said, sometimes I think that we're just not close enough to the need mm. in order to to know what the needs right. are. And when he said that, it, I, it stuck with me because being in foster care brought the need to my doorstep. Right. And it opened up a whole new world of things that I never would have experienced before. And I never would have been able to have the opportunities that I have now if it wasn't for me saying that original yes. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. How, from the kid's perspective— Coming into your home, I've always thought about this. You know, it's scary for you guys. Mm-hmm. But for a child to be taken from their parents, mm-hmm. even if it was a terrible situation, mm-hmm. and placed in a stranger's home initially, what is their reaction? What is their emotion? What did you have to deal with in those first couple weeks yeah, or months? I, I don't know. We were extremely, extremely blessed. Like, it's— it's it's honestly God because there's a lot of things that could happen where, you know, obviously they deal with a lot of trauma and sure. coming into a new place. But one of the things that we really try to do is just make them feel safe. Yeah. And um, we have a friend that actually just uh, opened her home up to a three-year-old and I was trying to give her some advice. And I was like, we always have pizza. We always have lots of toys. Like when we want it to feel comforting to them. Yeah. Um, but there's that honeymoon phase, which is what we call it, you know. The first couple of weeks where they're still trying to figure you out and you're still trying to figure them out and they're on their best behavior and they're, you know, doing all these things. We're like, wow, this is really different. But, um, you know, just to think for them, like, it has to be scary. And, like, Mm -hmm. now that ours are a little bit older and, like, we can talk to them about it, they're like, we'll be like, oh, what did you think when you first first came in? And they'll be like, oh, we thought you were weird when we first came in. And we're like, oh, okay, like, that's (laughs) cool. Yeah, cool. Um, Because, you know, they're not used to how we do things. You know, they're not used to how we run our home. And their home before was just very different. Um, Mm -hmm. But we do really try to just make them feel safe. Um, We try to establish with them a routine as quickly as possible and a schedule. Like, this is what we do um so they can kind of know what to expect Mm -hmm. because a lot of times in their life they didn't know what to expect and so we kind of like try to lay out you know this is what we do this is how we do our mornings this is how we what we do for our bedtime routines Mm -hmm. and establishing those has really been been key for us um for them we want to just make sure that they know that they're loved and that's the most important thing and i think that they can i really think that they can feel it i think that when they even though they're scared and even though it's new, they can feel that safety and they can feel that love and they can feel that where like you come in really tense, but then you can just start to relax. Yeah. Um, and that's for both of our um, our children. Um, we kind of had a little bit of a different situation with both because they were not immediately removed from family and then brought to our home. They had like a, 
somewhere where they were in between. And I also think that that helped us because it wasn't like, you know, being immediately removed from your family and then put into somewhere else. Like you had that already that transition Mm -hmm. time where you were not with your family. And I think that that for us um, helped because they weren't in that saint that, you know, plucked and then all of a sudden placed. Um, So I think that routine is so important. And I think about even in my own career, you know, as a teacher, one of the biggest things I try to do is set those routines and those procedures Mm -hmm. immediately when they first come into my classroom. And it's really not to be, well, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be strict and I'm going to be mean and all of these things. But when you set the routine and you set the way we do things, here are the way we're going to do things. And it's for your safety and it's for you to feel comfortable and it's for your best. Mm then they do feel a sense of safety and security because they know you and they know what to expect. They know that you're doing things a specific way because you love them and you care for them. And I think that is key to any interaction with children, you know, with Connection Kids, with um, anytime we do something with with children, even our personal children, you know, setting those boundaries, setting those um, just consistency is what creates safety. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that even for myself, you know, like I'm a very anxious person. And if there's something that is out of my norm, then it takes me a minute mm-hmm. to say, oh, oh, that's what we're doing. Okay. Well, I didn't expect that. You know, I'd like to be told ahead of time. Um, so I think that it goes for everybody to provide that sense of security. Yeah. But I definitely feel like the children that you've had feel very loved and very supported. Um So tell me about just the way, I know that you talked about the gospel, you talked about making sure that Christ is the center of everything that you guys do as a family. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about that. How do you instill that in the children that you have for the time period that you have? Yeah, and you know, um, recently we've really been pressing into this because we don't ever want the gospel and we don't ever want our lives to be so... Um, rule-based, like you Mm -hmm. have to do this and you have to make these great choices in order for this to happen. Because Mm -hmm. if that's how Christ looked at us, we would be nowhere. Um, So we try to also pair that with grace. Mm -hmm. And all the time we'll tell them like, you know, we want grace, we want to have grace on you. We want to be able to to not make it so rigid and okay, you have to make great choices or else, right? Right. Why are we making the good choices? Mm -hmm. And we really try to point the children in our home, and we say this because even if it was our own biological children, they're not going to be in our home all the time. They're at school. They're in extracurriculars. They're going to grow up. And what is the one thing that they can build their foundation on? And yeah. that's and that's God's Word. So we've really prioritized in our home instilling God's Word in them. And we think it's important because wherever they are, they can have those words in their heart, just like the Bible says. And when we run into situations or when we run into difficult things, we want them to be able to turn to what they know is true. Mm-hmm. There's so many distractions and there's so many different things in this world today that you can turn to and think, oh, yeah, that's the right way. But mm-hmm. if you ground yourself in God's word, then you know that you're taking the right path. And so for us, for however long that they're with us, we want to instill in them to remember scripture. Mm-hmm. And we really prioritize. And it's in the beginning, you know, when you, you're working on one or two scriptures, like it's it's already a task, but now we're at 
they know 29 scriptures each and five and seven. And so when we are doing that, now we're like, it's like taking up a whole bedtime routine. You know, we had to like change the schedule to add in being able to do this. But now we've been doing it in the car, um, you know, on the way to school or, you know, when we're driving around, like we're just going to go over our verses because we know that those verses, wherever they are, I mean, it's true when they're not in our home, they're and it's it's sad, but it's the reality. Our faces and our names are going to fade. But if they can have that in their heart, that impact will go with them forever. Absolutely. And so we work with them. And when we make, you know, choices, when we say things, we'll be, you know, we'll go back and we'll point it back to that scripture that they know. You know, when, when they're scared about something, we can tell them, hey, you know this verse. Be strong and brave. Do not yes. be afraid. Right? We can go back to that because they know that. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we... We try to do. Are we the best at it? No, we fail a lot. And that's also why we tell them that we need grace because Mm -hmm. nobody's going to be perfect and we're going to all make bad choices, but that's where God's grace picks up for all Mm -hmm. of our faults. And we try explaining to them. And even when we mess up and um, we had a situation where I I got upset about something. It was, I, I was very upset about a situation that we were dealing with and I had to tell them, I'm like, hey, you know how we study that scripture we say, put up with one another, forgive one another. That's what I need from you right now. I need you to forgive me because I made a bad choice because I was getting upset about something that, was it upsetting? Yes. But did I have to be very upset? No. Like I could have been, mm-hmm. I could have handled it differently. And I'm like, you know, we go back to these verses and I and we want to show humility. We want to show that we're not perfect. We don't expect you to be perfect. But when we do mess up, the thing to do is to apologize and to try your best not to do it again because mm-hmm. that's what that's what the that's what the bible teaches us is that everybody is going to fall short. Yeah. Um and but what happens when we fall short? So mm-hmm. for us we've just really been um prioritizing scripture in that way and just prioritizing knowing why we established the foundation of our home and the home mm-hmm. that they're choosing to that they didn't have a choice to stay in, but that they are staying in. Yeah. I think that's so important for parents. And one of you had said this in a meeting that we had had at church. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, that is so convicting in my own heart with my own children. You know, just like you said, they won't always be with us. And that's a hard reality, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in foster care, because your time is limited and you know that. But even as parents or even as teachers, there is a time frame that those children are gifted to you and they are your responsibility, as the Bible says, to train up. And I have not been, you know, I think with Harper, she was our only child for a little bit. So it was a lot easier to do that bedtime routine and quote the scriptures from Connection Kids. And then when Adeline came along, I feel like some of that just wasn't at the foreground of our minds. And I think um, hearing you share that was just such a good reminder that we've got to be very intentional with our time uh, and what we choose to do to fill that time. Yeah. You know, is it putting them in front of the TV or is it, let's go over your verses, you know, and it's not like we're going to shut everything down and we're going to focus just on this, Mm -hmm. but we do have to be intentional. And I love how you talked about having humility that 
we're not always going to get it right. And I feel like more times than not, I don't yeah. get it right. And like you said, you know, we're always looking for the, the parent handbook. Yes. And we're always wishing that there was something just laid out that would help us to know what to do in every situation. And then, but truly, that's scripture. That's the Bible. If we don't know it, then, then we're not going to know what to do. But if we can hide God's word in our heart through memorizing scripture, then we can point our, ourselves mm-hmm. and our children back to those those truths. And man, that's so important. And it just really it inspired me a lot. And I hope it will, will inspire people that are listening to implement that in some way with their children. And obviously, our church helps because they mm-hmm. focus on a specific verse for a certain amount of time, and so it kind of gives it to you. But uh, I remember as a kid, you know, memorizing verses. That was part of, you know, you got a sticker mm-hmm. on the chart yeah. whenever you memorize the verses. And there was an incentive for it, but also I still remember those. Mm-hmm. So I can still quote them back to myself. And, um, you know, just thinking about what I want for my kids, the only thing I want for my kids is to love Jesus ultimately and to have a relationship with Him. And I know that that's your heart for every group of siblings or children that come into your home because that's what's important to you and Dan. And I see that, you know, just in the way that y'all serve um, so faithfully, just in the church too. But one thing that you had talked about as well in another meeting that we went to together was something that you are kind of heading up for our region or our church, you know, it's coming out of our church, but it is uh, all over the place. So can you tell us about that project? Yeah, so one of the things that people do not really think of when they think of foster care is the preventative side of foster care. Mm -hmm. And when there's a reason why a children needs to be removed from their home, there's all of these different things that they will do to to ensure that maybe a family member or we say like a fictive relative, maybe somebody that you call aunt that's not really your aunt, right, Mm -hmm. that they, they can stay with somebody that they know. And a lot of times that can't happen just for things like we don't have a bed, right? Mm-hmm. I would love for this for, for me to be able to take in my nephew, but I can't because I don't have a bed and I don't have money mm-hmm. for a bed. Um, so we're working on a project um, with the church that that is where it brings the needs right to us. So mm-hmm. you get a notification and different um, defects and different like different places within the area are able to submit needs on behalf of somebody that that. Okay. Um, has a request. So, you know, this grandmother that is trying to um, raise her nephew or whatever, whatever it is, their grandchild, um, they need three beds and all bedding and mm-hmm. um, all of this stuff in order for these children not to enter care. Right. Um, and then notifying the church of those needs, and then the church can be the ones that can try to meet those mm-hmm. needs. Um when we think of foster care and we think of the children that are in, there are so many children in care. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge, huge, huge problem that if it, I try, I hate when there's problems that I can't fix. I'm yes. a fixer and I like going in and trying to fix all of the problems that I can. But the foster care system at large is not something that I can fix. But there mm-hmm. is different ways that other people can be involved. I know that people are like, oh, well, I don't feel... And, Foster, inviting children in your home is not for everybody. It's not something that everybody can do, and that's okay. But the Bible calls us to care for the widows and the orphans, mm-hmm. and this new initiative is a way that we can do that, is a way that we can help 
when maybe we can't have children in our home, but maybe we have an extra mattress that we're not using and we can just donate it. Or maybe we have $50 and this family needed groceries and we can go buy them groceries. Mm -hmm. It's putting it so that you can actually take steps where you're at. And that's what we say about foster care because I think that people get scared. They're like, oh, well, we can't have people. We can't have children in our home. Um, And we're like, you don't have to have children in our home. We think of the children that have been in our care and our connect group pouring into these children's lives. Like they're not foster parents themselves, but I can tell you that they're making a difference in these two Mm -hmm. children that are in foster care. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's just so many ways that we can help. But sometimes we just, like John said, we don't know what the need is. We're just too far away from it. But this brings it right to you. It brings it to your phone. You can get an alert and it'll tell you, hey, um, this is a need. Um, We also talk about um, foster care in... Children in being able to prevent these children, you think of of parents that are choosing life for their mm-hmm. child, and but they don't have the stuff to be set up to be successful, and that this new thing will allow um, those parents that chose life mm-hmm. um, to be able to get items or get a crib or get a playpen, whatever they might need in order to to set them up for success. Sure. So that way, one that baby is around, but then also that baby is around in their home and that baby does not need to enter care. Um, so we're really excited about it. I really think that it has the ability to to drastically change um, how we do things in the community. Absolutely. Um, and it will open up a lot of doors. Yeah, that's incredible. So tell me who, who all can be involved. Like I know that uh, through the church, we're getting these notifications. Where are the notifications coming from? Yeah, so right now they're being in, um, inputted by the Department of Family and Child Services. So DFACS mm-hmm. is entering needs. Um, Choices of the Heart and Foundations okay. Resource Center, they're also able to enter needs. Um, and then we can also enter church needs. So if there's somebody at church that's really struggling that, you know, needs groceries or or needs something to be able to help their family, we can enter needs as a church and then as a church meet those needs. So um, I believe it'll be something that we'll really try to roll out through connect groups. I mm-hmm. think that that is having connect groups. It's just such an easy way to disperse things. And yeah, what this will do is it gives everybody the, it, as long as you want to, you right. can have the oppor- opportunity to be able to be involved. And that does not mean like for me, and this was an adjustment that doesn't mean meeting every need. Right. Um, because for me, I'm like, oh, there's a need. I have to meet it. Mm-hmm. And it just means that you, the one thing that we say that we would request is that you just sign up to pray. Mm-hmm. When you when you get that need, just pray for that need and pray for that family of wherever that need is coming from. But then that can be all that you do. But if you are able to help and you are able to support it, whatever the need is, mm-hmm. then you will have the ability to do that. And where I think that um, where this really is makes a really big impact, and I know that at church in the past, we've done um, Christmas service day. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you about that, when that when we first went with that and all of those gifts were in the atrium and then they were like, okay, we're going to go deliver. I was like, we're going to what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, we're going to what? We're going to go deliver. Okay. Yeah. We're going to just go to a random person's house and deliver Christmas gifts. Yeah. And I was like a little nervous at first. It really mm-hmm. brings you out of your comfort zone. Totally. Um, but then my husband goes and he signs up to do two. And I'm like, Okay, so now we're going to go to two homes. Great. <laughs> and we did that, and it was really eye-opening because you don't you, – you, our, our reality of what the need was was they just needed a basketball, right? So we're like, oh, great, we bought them this basketball. But then when you're able to actually go to the families and actually meet them and pray with them, 
it opens up doors that you wouldn't have had open before. And, um, you know, we did that that first year. And then the next year, our connect group got involved again. And we sponsored a child and then we delivered a meal and we delivered um, the gifts and we were able to pray with that family. And it wasn't just the child. It was him. It was his mother and his grand grandmother yeah. inviting them to church. And with this initiative that we're doing is if the situation is deemed where it's not a dangerous situation, mm -hmm. people will be able to do that. And people will be able yeah. to, oh, okay, I got this mattress for you. I'm going to go and deliver this mattress and mm -hmm. be able to put faces to the need and just what a what a example of of what Christ has called us to do is is Absolutely. just be out there and love people. And when you're dropping off, when they had a need and they didn't know you, you don't know them, yep. and you're willing to say yes to their need and then bring it to them and help them however they need to get it set up. Um, I really do think it's going to be transformational for this for mm -hmm. this area, and I think it's going to be really really cool to see. Yeah, I love that um, you were talking about you know just being in our bubble. We don't always see outside of the church, mm -hmm. and that has been the church's issue. You know, not our specific church, but the big C church, um, that a lot of times we get focused on how can we meet the needs of the people within our walls, but yet there's a community out there who um, have a lot of needs that need to be met, and mm -hmm. we just aren't aware, or, or we just have our blinders on, you know, because we're busy and we have a life and whatever. But this gives us an opportunity, like you said, to have something very specific and a way to participate in serving the needs of the people in our community without having to fix everything. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you look at, or, you know, you and I, we're similar in that way. When we look at the vast needs it's very overwhelming, mm -hmm. and you feel very burdened. You feel very sad for people that you can't help. Um, but when you can do little small things, you're making a huge impact over time. Mm -hmm. And it's more of a journey than it is, um, here, let me spend all the money that I have to meet all of Statesboro's needs. I mean, we can't. We can't do it on our own, and I think that's why it's so important to just focus on what can I do in this moment, what's going to make the biggest impact? And then what can I also share with my connect group? What can I share with people that I know can meet that specific need? Mm -hmm. You know, because we do have people in our community who are so generous and who are so willing and they just need to be asked. And so this, uh, this is just going to really open up a lot of opportunity for people to get involved um, in foster care, but in the more, like you said, preventative um, to keep kids out of care, to keep them with their families. Um, so I know that you're part of a fostering organization that works with DFACS. Um, tell me about how they support you guys. Yeah, so uh, we are partnered with an agency, and the support that we get from them, we wouldn't have done it any other way. Like, looking back, we're like, oh, like, this was the path that God had for mm -hmm. us. Um, not only in what the agency, how the agency supports us, but they do, they do things like we'll get date nights. So like what people that aren't involved in foster care, you know, you just get a babysitter or you, you know, it's, it's just a lot easier. Whereas with foster care, you know, we need to, there's certain age restrictions and there's certain, mm -hmm. you know, you have to make sure of where you're leaving your children. And right. it's not as easy to just, um, especially for us where we don't have family in the area. Mm -hmm. So it, that's just been um, a struggle, but they'll do a date night and they'll mm -hmm. partner with a local church and 
Um, all of the kids in the area get to be dropped off at that church and the families get to go out. Now you can choose to go out with just your spouse. You can bring your biological children. You can drop your biological children off, but sometimes <laughs> we'll go out as like a group yeah. um, with, with different foster families. Um, and so that's something that they do. They, they support us a lot on the initial process when there's a lot of paper, there's a lot of paperwork. And I remember I was feeling very overwhelmed in the beginning by how much paperwork it was. Yeah. And somebody um, said to me, she's like, well, Here's the thing. The paperwork is in your control and you control how fast you do it. You control, um, you know, all of that aspect of the paperwork right now is in your control, Mm -hmm. but you're going to soon be getting some kids that there's going to be a lot of things out of your control. So if the paperwork is too out of control for you, like that's something, and it was really eye opening to me just like that new, I was like, you're right. Like this is still in my control and I'm going to be diving into a lot of things that are way out of my comfort zone and way out of my mm-hmm. control. Um, but through throughout the intake process, they help us a lot with with different things with that. Um, they facilitate for us. There was a time where um, our children were supposed to be doing a visit and the transporter called and said, sorry, I can't make it. And mm-hmm. for us, I'm like, no, 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 like these, they, they're expecting this. We yeah. need to make this happen. So our agency became transporters and they're yeah. able to, to help take these children to, to see family and stuff like that. So um, that's been really, really great for us, but also the relationships that we've been yeah. able to form. Um, there's, and it's really, really sad because there's just a stigma on foster care and foster parents. And a lot of times, and I know that there are going to be bad apples in every bunch, right? But mm-hmm. the people that I have gotten the pure, pure joy of being able to know these people and know their hearts and know why they're in it. And that has been one of the greatest blessings for for me and Dan. You know, we not only get to bring in these children into our home, but we have a whole community of um, friends that are in this with us that I would have never known if I never if we never did this. Yeah. And um, the relationships that we've been able to form with that, because it's kind of like, it's like a support group. You know, yeah. when you're going through something, it's not something that many people can relate to because not everybody's in foster care. Right. But then you have this support group that is able to you know, walk the journey with mm-hmm. you. Um, and that's something that if we never went with the agency, I don't think we would have ever felt that sense of community that we feel um, that we have now. Yeah, that's so incredible. I love that they provide support for you guys so that you can have time just with your spouse because you do need that time away and you do need a break every now and then. Um, yeah, the other thing that I really like about that is, and we, and I will say, we did not really make the connection with our first two. Mm-hmm. But with these two is they, we don't want them ever thinking that being in foster care is a problem, mm-hmm. right? It's not. It's not a problem. It's not something that's bad. Um, and when they get to go to these date nights, they get to see other kids that are in the similar situation yeah. as them. And it gives them a sense of, oh, I'm not the only one. One of the things that we found with our first two was our little girl was struggling because she thought she was the only kid in foster care. Mm. And she would, it was her little secret. She'd be like, it's my secret. I don't want anybody to know because I'm the only one like this. Mm. And when she started expressing that, we're like, no, like we want her to know you're not, she's not alone. There are other, there are other people that are also in this. So the date night 
gives us an opportunity to connect with our friends, but also gives the children an opportunity to connect with now their friends that are also in the same yeah. situation as them, which has been, um, which has been really, really cool. Because when we, when we realize that with our first one, we never want them to feel like they're alone. Mm-hmm. We never want them to feel isolated. We don't want them to think that, that there's a problem with them because right. they're in foster care. They're normal kids. Yeah. They're kids that like to play and they're kids that like to be loud and have fun. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we want them to be able to thrive in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I think there is something about children who feel, you know, even children who don't have both parents in the home, Mm -hmm. they feel like they can't express that, they can't talk about it. Um, And so I think for your kiddos, having the opportunity to meet other kids who are in the same situation can be very, very helpful. I think that's so great that they provide that opportunity for not only y'all, but for them, for them as well. Yes. Um, so I guess what's scary for most people when they think about foster care is the reunification process. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell me about what you've learned through having to reunify kids that you've cared for mm-hmm. with their families? Yeah, and I say that um, – a lot of times we think of foster care and we think of the kids that are mm-hmm. in our care and we think of the kids that are in our home. But for us, it's been so much more because it's been able to establish relationships with that biological, with their family. And that's been so, so rewarding for us is being able to partner alongside these families because a lot of times they just need support. They just, they, they might be in a situation because that's all that they've ever known. And when you can lend them a helping hand and when you can support them, it can make all the difference for them. And yeah. While I will say our first, you know, you obviously you invest in these children and you invest in these families and you hope that um, that you're able to see them, you know, even if you're not involved directly with them, you hope that you're able to see them grow up from afar. And with our first two, that's not been the case. Um, and um, that was really hard for us because we had this whole picture of foster care where we were going to establish really good relationships and they were going to go back and it was going to be like this just extending their mm-hmm. family. And when we think about it from that aspect, we're like, if you had, if if I had my own children um, done something and whatever the situation was and my children were removed, would I want to remember that part of my right. journey? Probably not. Um, there's a lot of hurt in that. And we can't blame them because there that's that makes sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. you want to kind of forget that part of your sure. past. But uh we still really do try to establish relationships and be there so that they can see us as a support, that they can see us as somebody that's walking alongside them. Mm-hmm. And for us in foster care, especially in this um the situation that we're in now, like that's what we f- I feel like I'm friends with the family. Like I feel yeah. like we have such great relationships where we are really friends with them. We are really walking alongside them. And I think that they feel that. I think that they see that we're not only treating their children well and we're caring for their children well, but we're wanting to care for them well as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do different things um, within reunification. You know, we want for Christmas, like we'll send gifts for the parents too, right? Or for the kids to get gifts for their parents and writing them letters or sending them pictures. We think of a lot of children in foster care, there's a season of their life that they might not have any pictures. So when they see their family, we try to send pictures, you know, this yeah. is what they were doing or, um, you know, however involved they want to be, we want to be able to give them that chance. And um, reunification, uh, we've seen it in so many 
great, great ways where you can really just partner with that family and help make sure that those kids are successful. One of our friends in the community, um, the mom, the biological mom was unable to attend muffins with mom at school. Mm-hmm. And so she asked the foster mom to attend muffins with mom with oh, the children. That's sweet. What a... Mm. true, true display of how foster care should be, right? Is that you're partnering together and that you're not against each other. We're not fighting each other, but we're really a team. And that the children can see you being Mm -hmm. a team um, is, is I think, in my, is is our goal, is our goal in foster care. Um, Does that make it easy? No. I mean, people are like, oh, well, I would get so attached. And we're like, yeah, we do get attached. Like mm-hmm. these, if you ask me, I tell you I have four kids mm-hmm. because those two, while they're not with me, they're still my kids. Yeah. I still think about them all the time. We still pray for them and they will always be a part of our lives. Like mm-hmm. they, they're a part of our home. We have photos and stuff of them in our home mm-hmm. because we want them to still be, they're not, yeah. while they're not here, they're still a part of our home. And when we think of what happened with that, like our um, first situation, our care, our community group, really just um, came alongside us with that. And when we had to pack up their things, there's a lot of emotions. People like just think like, oh, yeah. No, it was really hard, really, really hard. Um, And thank God for people in our connect group that walked alongside of us and went to Lowe's and picked up boxes with us and Mm -hmm. literally helped us pack. Like when I was so emotional that I couldn't pack. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't pack this drawer. Can you please do it? And to have people in our community that were able to do that and walk mm-hmm. alongside that with us. Mm-hmm. Um, it is hard. It is a very, very, very hard journey to be on. Um, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it. And to know the, that we had the opportunity to be with those first two, four, nine months and that, yeah, while we're not with them now, we still know them. We still have their names. We still have their pictures in our in our memory and in our hearts, and we can pray for them. We can pray for their family. We it, it it's hard, but it's where else would I get the opportunity to be able to do that? It's yeah. only through God. And honestly, like when we think of that process and we think of how hard it was. It was only through him while we were able to do it and while we were able to get through it. And we had so many people who were like, you're not going to do that again, right? Like, there's no way you're opening your yeah. home again. That was, um, that was, you're not doing it. And when we thought about it, we're like, how can we not? Mm. There are children that need us and there are children out there, families that need us and we can do it. And why would we want to put the burden on the child that can't control anything? They they are so out of control, whereas we are adults and we can at least process things better. We at least know how to handle emotions. We know how to handle grief. We know how to, we're learning on how to handle trauma. We can do it. So of course we're going to open our doors again. And we did. And another really great yes. Mm, I love that. And I think one of the things that you said in your, um, bio was that Jesus is always worth it. And so following Jesus and being obedient to his calling is worth the grief. It's worth the difficult moments. It's worth all of the process that you have to go through, the hard days, the good days. Um, And I just commend you for that because you're committed to learning you're committed to building the relationship with the family. I had never really thought about that. So that's just something that I think is just so powerful when you see your foster family working as a team with your biological parents. To me, that provides a sense of safety too and security, knowing that 
you know, we're working together to reunify, to make this right, Mm -hmm. to give you the support that you need. But not only that, we're loving you like Jesus and we're showing you Jesus along the way. And what an incredible impact that will have for a lifetime, Mm -hmm. truly, um, for for all of these kids that you bring into your home. Um, So I guess the last question I have for you, and I feel like we could talk about this all day Mm -hmm. because there's just so many layers to this process and it's just such a, a beautiful uh, God-given opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, literally. But to wrap it up, I just want to ask, how have you felt seen recently? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, obviously with having children in your home and children from from hard places, um, it's sometimes you feel unseen. You feel like you're, you know, you just kind of go with the flow and you're just in the in the day to day but um my children um their biological mom um she actually wrote me a letter and put it in the mail um and sent it to us and just thanking us for taking such good care of her kids thanking us for partnering alongside of us she put scripture on there mm-hmm. um from Thessalonians she was um quoting scripture on there and just really, you know, there's so many days when we can go through this and we're like, you know, we know it's worth it because we know the impact for the kingdom. We know that Jesus makes everything worth it. But then to see that this parent Mm -hmm. um, is also seeing that and that she took time to do that for me. And she probably did not even realize how much of an impact that made on me and on my family. Um, But that was huge. Um, being able to see that, even though she's in a in in a hard place right now herself, she her children are staying with me. Right, that's really really hard. But um, I would say that that's probably the most recent place where I was like, wow, like you know, even though through the day to day it can get really lost, but then when I got that, it was like this is the why yes. we're doing the right thing. Yes, just confirmation that. She sees how you're trying to be supportive of their lives. Yes. And so it's incredible. Thank you so much for being transparent. And I love your honesty. I think that people can relate to that. People desire that. And I think foster care, there's, like you said, there's so many stigmas that go along with that. And when we have people like you to be able to express in an honest way what it can be and what you can be. And I think it really, you know, spans farther than just foster care. It's parenting in general. Mm -hmm. And loving our children and recognizing what a gift they are from God to us. And they're entrusted to us. And so even in uh, foster care, biological children, teachers that have kids that are in their classroom, better understanding their lives and getting into their lives to truly see them Mm -hmm. um, and truly try to support them through whatever situation they're going through, because we do see a lot of those things and not getting caught up in, this is so sad, this is so sad, because sometimes I'll I'll have situations in my classroom and, mm-hmm. and it breaks my heart. And I just focus on that over and over again, instead of, okay, so what are little steps I can take to meet the needs 
mm-hmm. at the moment. I don't have to fix everything. I don't have to make it all right because it's not going to be right. We're broken. We're It's a broken world that we live in full of um, just things that do break our hearts. But we can trust that God's going to give us what we need at the moment to meet the needs that need to be met. And so I just really appreciate you um, sharing and being open and honest and just for the impact that you're having on those kiddos. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you um, letting me come on and talk about it. All right. So um, we will have another episode of the ICU podcast next Friday. And I hope that you guys are encouraged by the words that Jenna shared and just encouraged to um, really bring Jesus into your home and to make that the priority in your life and in your children's lives. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week.